This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast, which is a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each episode I interview authors about their latest works and others in the book world about their jobs, what those jobs entail, and the books that they love. For more book recommendations, check out my earlier episodes and my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Thanks to Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate for sponsoring my podcast. Today, I am chatting with Anne Byrne about a new take on cake. Anne is the best-selling author of American Cookie, American Cake, The Cake Mix Doctor, and The Dinner Doctor series. Formerly a food editor at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Anne lives with her family in Nashville, Tennessee. I am a huge fan of Anne's, and I have asked her some additional questions for my Patreon community. We chat about her favorite recipes from this new book, speaking at the Smithsonian Institute and the food that helped spur the American Revolution, and her very own cookbook recommendations. The link to join my Patreon group is in the show notes for access to this special content and lots of other fabulous bonus episodes. I hope you'll check it out. Enjoy today's conversation. And now for a quick break. For the last year, I have been focusing more on my health and my eating habits. In connection with that, I have started drinking AG1 in the morning. I first gave AG1 a try because I needed more energy. Since drinking AG1 daily, I have definitely felt more energized. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. I know with AG1, I'm giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know it is safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and I am really happy to have them sponsoring my show. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash thoughts from a page. That's drinkag1.com slash thoughts from a page. Check it out. Welcome, Anne. How are you today? I'm doing well, Cindy. Thank you. I am so excited that you are here with your new book, A New Take on Cake, because my daughter and I have used your books for years upon years. And so it's just so exciting that you have a new book out and so many fun things that we can now be baking. Well, I'm glad that it's going to be put to good use. I loved this project. It just happened to be during the pandemic that I worked on this project, and I just felt so grateful to be focused on something fun and creative and interesting, you know, just in spite of all of the sadness in the world. So yes, it's very exciting to see this book come out. I bet it is. As we get started, why don't you tell me a little bit about a new take on cake for my listeners that won't be familiar with it yet? People know me as the Cake Mix Doctor because that is a book that I wrote at the end of 99. I really went on tour in 2000. And it was a cookbook on how you can take a box of ordinary cake mix and add ingredients from your fridge and really elevate that cake into something wonderful. I wrote this because we had moved back to Nashville. I had been living in Atlanta for a long time. I was the food editor in Atlanta for 15 years at the newspapers. And we moved back and Nashville just seemed different. It seemed more down home and people were still baking cakes uh, using a cake mix. And I loved it. And I wrote a story about it that evolved into this book 
And then the Cake Mix Doctor became a bestseller. You know, I've done some spinoffs through the years, but I've never really gone back and looked at just this concept of taking a box of cake mix and adding ingredients and what do you get with it? I've really not approached that again in 20 years. So, and I did last year during the pandemic, had a chance to rebake old classic favorites using new cake mixes that are on the shelf and also create some new cakes that I would never have thought of or baked 20 years ago and and use new ingredients and pour the batter into cast iron skillets and loaf pans and be a lot more creative and spontaneous with the recipes and also tackle so many different types of baking for many different diets, gluten-free, vegan, and also just looking at baking from the idea that it doesn't have to be so sweet, that you can actually create beautiful desserts that are not as sweet. So all of that is to say that's what's in a new take on cake. And so it's packed with great ideas. It is packed with great ideas. And was it so much fun to go back and revisit those earlier books? It was. And, you know, I kind of did that in the lead up to actually testing. I went through all of my books, all old newsletters, everything to kind of gauge feedback on what recipes from the Cake Mix Doctor were the most popular with people. And, and I wanted to pick just 50 of those that I was going to repeat in this new book, but I was going to update them and make them work for today and really kind of look at how they taste, how they slice, how they're frosted. Were there ever any issues with the frosting weeping down the side of the cake? Really get to revisit everything. So that was terrific to troubleshoot. And I love, love, love to troubleshoot. And then coming up with new ideas, you know, that was so much fun. And I relied on a handful of people to help me with that. Well, that was one of my questions for you was, where does your inspiration come from and who helps you? 125 new recipes is a lot. It is. I've got a lot in my head and I write everything down. I usually put it in my phone, but I have been working with a wonderful person, Martha Bowden, for about 15 years. And she, we met when our girls were in ballet class together. And Martha is a math and science teacher in Metro Nashville's magnet schools. So Martha um, has that math and science background. She also has uh, her family comes from New England. So her taste profiles and preferences are different than mine from the South. So we have made, I believe, a good match because she is all about details, 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 and making sure I have enough blueberry recipes and lemon recipes in the book and didn't forget gingerbread. And then I tend to be a bit more whimsical off the cuff. So definitely Martha. And then my daughters. And they, my daughters are now 31 and 29. And they have grown up as the, you know, the Cake Mix Doctor's daughters. And they've been baking my cakes for us, you know, since they were probably eight or nine years old. And now they still bake and they're grown and in their own worlds. But they have really good tastes and they know me well. And there were many, many recipes in this book where I would, I would defer to them on what was the frosting that needed to go on that. Or if I was doing a chocolate chip loaf cake, what did I want to do that was different? You know, and Kathleen would say tahini, mom. And, uh, you know, and, and when I was doing the, the, the blueberry baby cake, you know, Litton, my daughter Litton would say, 
you know, add some lavender, mom. It needs lavender. So I, it was so much fun to get their feedback and their just their way of looking at baking today. And I, I know it really helped me. That must have been so fun for them to grow up with you doing this as a business and being able to participate, give you feedback, and just having all of that knowledge at their disposal. I think that it was. I know for sure that they got frustrated with it. You know, I remember comments like, why don't we ever have ice cream for our birthday? You know, (laughs) or when are you going to ever bake a pie? I I do remember those comments. I remember one dance. I think Kathleen was about 12 and went to one of those little dances and this sort of bashful boy asked to dance and he comes up to me and he goes, I I know you're the cake mix doctor. (laughs) So funny. And I'm sure it's because, you know, his mother had my cookbook and there was my shining face on the cover. So they did. And, and one of them had a had to give a speech, I think, in eighth grade to, in order to graduate. And she estimated how many slices of cake she had had in her life up to that point. So, you know, they, they definitely have milked uh, my, my career for every bit of it uh, that's, that it's worth. And they've been so much fun to be around. Well, and I love that you can continue that with them, even when they're adults. Once kids are grown and out of the house, you know, you still want to find things to connect with. And that's beautiful that you can do this. Very much so. Yeah, I think our kids know uh, they have really good taste. And I do remember that. I think I remember that moment when my mother would ask my opinion about something. And I, and, and I never forgot that. And I think that we tend to, as parents, we tend to think our, you know, our ideas are always the best, but, you know, if we stop and ask our kids what they think about it or, you know, what would they do in this situation, it's, it's a good thing. Well, it makes them feel valued. Very much, yeah. So what about the easiest cake mix recipe that you've created? Is there one that just immediately came to you, you were able to sit down with the box, add in a few things, and it turned out great? Yes, I would say yes and no. I think that there have been easy recipes in the past, certainly those that maybe started with a box of pudding mix, you add some fresh orange juice, eggs, a little bit of oil, you're done. Those probably are the easiest cakes. They still work. The lemon cake, you know, my sister's lemon cake with lemon jello, super easy, oil, eggs, fresh lemon juice, done. And this book, I was trying to work with the slightly smaller cake mixes that are on the shelf today. And I think for anybody who's listening who, you know, knows, bakes with cake mixes, you'll know what I'm talking about. It can be frustrating because they are smaller than they used to be. So if you want to create a bigger cake, you kind of have to plan for that. Whether you add a quarter cup of flour or you add a half a box of pudding mix, you add enough ingredients to really bulk up that cake. So I feel in some ways that it wasn't easy this go around, but I hope I made it look easy. Let's just say that. (laughs) Well, and that's such an interesting thing. Again, I was not aware of the whole box getting smaller or mixes getting smaller. When did that happen? And when did you first discover it? It was about, I think about 2010. I mean, I can remember where I was. Actually, I was with one of my daughters looking at colleges and we were in Ohio and I got an email from a reader who had just, it was sort of like news, breaking news. You know, I've just returned from the grocery store and the cake mixes are smaller and then became sort of this avalanche of emails and everything. And it was terribly frustrating because all those recipes I had put out through the years all of a sudden had been uh, hijacked. And people, it was great because in that community of cooks, people were uh, trying to 
troubleshoot, you know, and how much flour can I add back? So, you know, that was a big part of me wanting to write this book because I've probably spent the last 10 years answering emails on how you can work around, uh, you know, my recipes using smaller cake mixes. So it was time. Well, and you've done some other books in the meantime, right? American Cookies, American Cakes. And those sound fantastic. They're, they're recipes, but also a little bit of history surrounding each recipe. Is that accurate? Very much so. I wrote American Cake in 2016 and American Cookie in 18. And then I wrote a book called Skillet Love that came out in 19. So I did take a break from the old cake mix cooking for a good chunk of years, five or six years. I took a break from it and dove into the history of cake in our country. I learned so much about ingredients and cultural norms and why, you know, prohibition killed fruitcake and all kinds of things. And it was just such a wonderful project. And I know people probably thought, well, what is what does she have to do with history and whatever? But believe it or not, you know, I have been a history lover all along. And I've always loved the idea as a subject of cake mixes, because it is a part of our baking history in America. It's very much a part of our culture. You know, it speaks to the end of World War II and women maybe not going back into the workforce or wanting to stay in the workforce because they had been during the war efforts. And so all kinds of convenience foods, you know, showed up on the supermarket shelf, one of them being a cake mix. And so I, I, I'm fascinated by that. And, and they've continued and they've changed through the years. I mean, we have all kinds of mixes in our supermarket. And, you know, it's because people have chosen to take some liberty and get out of the kitchen and, you know, have leisure activities or do something else beside cook. And if you look at the history of our country, to bake a cake, to make desserts, to make bread, you, you had to spend quite a deal of time in the kitchen. I think that's exactly right. And I actually think it makes perfect sense that you would write a book that incorporated the history of cake or cookies because you've done so much in that field. And I think to understand where something comes from is essential. It's an essential part of that. Yes, I do too. I think it made me a better writer. And I I, I know it it helped make this the best book I've written as far as, you know, cake mixes. I mean, the, the recipes are lovely and the photographs are beautiful. And I understand the history behind all of these recipes. And I know when they started. I know why people made them. And yes, I think it's fascinating. I mean, I am very fortunate to have been in a field that I enjoy very much. I've been doing this for a long time and it's been my life, but it's also made a wonderful life. Do you ever look back and think when you first did that original Cake Mix Doctor book and think, I had no idea this is where I would be now? Yes, I think about that a lot. I was just under a lot of pressure to get that book written. The book, the story that I had written for the Nashville newspaper had gone out on the wire services and it was picking up speed. And I called my agent, I know, after a couple of months after the story had been published in the newspaper. And I, t- I said, Nancy, I really think this could be made into a book. And I think we need to scramble on this one. And so we did. And we called people across the country to see if they thought there would be interest in other areas, if this wasn't just a Southern regional thing. And, and I, you know, there were a couple of publishers interested in publishing it, but the deadline was pretty tight because they were afraid that the idea would get out. 
And there were copycat books written shortly after I wrote The Cake Mix Doctor. I'm not even sure I knew that, but I could see where you would worry about being scooped. This idea is out there and other people are going to be like, oh, that's really creative. I need to do that also. Yes, very much so. But I do, I do remember thinking when I was writing late at night when my kids were in bed and really writing the stories and writing what we call a head note, which is what goes above the recipe and tells a small story. And I remember thinking, you know, this is, this is great. You know, this is a great book. This is, this is so much fun. People are going to love this. And so I, I felt it when I was writing the book that it was new and it was different. And I think that's a writer's dream to be able to create some, you know, to create original content. Absolutely. Fill a space that no one else has filled yet. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think that it works for so many different people. Like I'm not a great cook, so I love it because I can take the mix and then add these things to it and come up with a beautiful cake that tastes really good, something I could never do on my own. But also I think for others, as you were just describing, people who are super busy or, you know, love to bake already, but don't have the time to, to take all day to bake a cake. You know, I think it can work for so many different people. It works for kids. I just think it's such a clever concept. I'm glad you feel that way. And I certainly feel that way now. I always have. But I feel like more of the world feels that way now. And that's why another reason why this book feels different this time. I feel like there are a lot of people who can benefit from baking with a mix. And you can save a lot of money. You know, a mix is very inexpensive. And it's a lot less money to start with a mix and make a cake for a party than it is to go and buy a cake. And I know that that was one thing that my daughters gave me feedback on as well, is that in their, you know, in their world, a lot of their friends don't bake or don't attempt to bake and will go buy a cake. And that when they go to a party, you know, everybody knows the food that's homemade or home baked. And that was another reason I really wanted to write this book was to show young cooks that you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to know a lot about baking in order to follow one of these recipes. Absolutely. And I love that you include at the beginning a picture of every single recipe that's going to be made in the book, because then you can just kind of look through it at the front. And you did that in your earlier books, and you've done that again in this. And I'm glad that's something that you retained and put into this book as well, because it's so fascinating to kind of look through them all, get a glimpse for what they really look like before you flip back to whatever page that cake has the full recipe on or the brownies or whatever it's going to be. Yes, I agree. And and that readers told me that through the years. So I knew that if I did this book, it had to have the photo grid at the front for sure. That was a lot of photography. We have 175 recipes in this book, and that was 175 photos in two weeks of photography. So we were baking cakes like crazy, cramming my chest freezer with cakes baking cakes the night before a shoot. But we did it. We did it. Well, and the photography is beautiful. So who does all of that for you? Do you have one person? Do you have multiple people? It just turned out splendid. Oh, thank you. Well, the photographer is here in Nashville. Her name is Danielle Atkins. And then we used a uh, prop and food stylist, Teresa Blackburn. So, and I have known Danielle and Teresa for years. What with COVID, you know, we knew we had to shoot this book in Nashville. There was no traveling. So that made it easy. <laughs> and I, since I had worked with these ladies before, it really made it easy. And it was a matter of finding the two weeks that we all could do it, giving me and uh, myself and Martha Bowden enough time to bake all the cakes in advance. 
and to go through the recipes uh, with Teresa so that the props, she could gather the props between Teresa and myself that we had garnish for every cake. And we shot this in a studio over in East Nashville with a lot of space. It has a kitchen, so there was room to move. We had two sets going on at once, and we used all natural light. So we would shoot all day until the natural light started to give out. We'd move to the other window, the other side of the studio, and and use it there. Uh, We had some of the shots. few were shot in the kitchen, and then there was a kitchen window back there that had enough light. But this was all natural light, which is what I wanted for this book as well. It makes such a difference. I think it does. I think it does too. But just trying to keep up with the 175 recipes and then what the cakes looks like when it's made and then matching that up with the cake. You know, I just think there's a lot of logistics involved in that. There is. There is a lot of logistics and a lot of lists and it doesn't always go right and you forget a cake and then you make it up the next day. I mean, there were mishaps for sure, uh, but that's just part of it. I, you know, I couldn't, I really couldn't be happier. I mean, I think, you know, some of the cakes that we, I thought were going to be beauty cakes weren't as pretty as cakes that were just plain and simple. And so I think it's, that's really interesting too, to see like a cake such as a, a buttermilk lime cake or a white on white or a basic butter cake. You know, I thought, well, they might look a bit plain on, on film, but they turned out just so stunning. And so we ended up kind of giving them a little bit more play within the book. Something that was important for this book was that the photography be lovely, but simple, you know, not heavily propped, not heavily garnished, so that when you look at the cake, you know exactly what's in the cake because the garnish is sort of telling you that. I wanted people to be able to frost these cakes at home and to frost like this. So we have some step-by-step in the book as well on how to, for some different frosting touches, such as how to make a barely naked cake by pulling the frosting back off the sides of the cake. Different little treatments that you can do. I've also got um, some description on how to roll a cake in sprinkles. Uh, So the sides are packed with sprinkles uh, for the confetti cake. There's only one cake that calls for a pastry bag. And that is my take on the Costco sheet cake. I actually did a Costco sheet cake because, if you remember last year, Costco stopped making their sheet cakes for whatever reason. Either they weren't selling or they didn't want to encourage people to get together in big groups. (laughs) So there weren't any Costco sheet cakes. So we thought it would be really funny to create one out of a cake mix, which we did. But you need the pastry bag to create a barrier around the middle layer and you uh, you pipe this sort of rope of frosting around the top of the cake and then you fill that with the pudding like filling and and so that's the only time that you need a pastry well that's not bad at all and i love all of your tips i was reading through all of that the frosting tips and also at the front and you addressed this a little bit earlier but with sugar-free, vegan, some of the different ways that people want to make cakes these days, you give tips and tricks for how to make that go a little bit smoother. Yes. I did want to talk about vegan baking, gluten-free baking, sugar-reduced baking, baking for a smaller household, and baking on a budget. Those, to me, were the five 
sort of areas where I feel like that has changed and there are more people are interested in those five subjects, you know, whether someone in their house is on a gluten-free diet or they've got a friend who's vegan and they want to bake a birthday cake or you used to bake 20 years ago, but you don't bake much anymore and you don't want a big cake. These were all really, really good lifestyle reasons. And they are, they trickle through the recipes in this book. But I did want to address them at the front of the book so that people knew that I was taking all of that into consideration. Well, that was one of the things I was going to ask you. What has changed the most in the couple of decades since you started with this with respect to baking and making the cakes from cake mixes? I think the during the pandemic, you know, there was a new interest, a rediscovery perhaps for a lot of people of baking, the joys of baking. I'll be interested to see how long that survives. If people continue to make sourdough bread, if they still make their own pizza crust. So I think that, you know, baking is back for sure. Flour was hard to come by. That's certainly a trend. I do think people are interested in cakes and sweets with less sugar. And I know that I am. And so that was, that is the way that I bake today. And it is the way that I look at frosting. And that very much is a part of this book is that we don't need all of the frosting that we've put on cakes before. So I think that's there for sure. And an interesting trend, I think, especially for people, you know, who've been baking for a long time is that the younger generation beginning to bake, they don't have a problem using a cake mix. And they don't have a problem using Nutella as an add-in or Jello or any of these, you know, ingredients we might have thought were convenience foods and they weren't wholesome or they weren't scratch. The younger generation doesn't have a problem with that at all. I mean, if you look at the mac and cheese recipes that are in the New York Times, they contain Velveeta. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's so interesting. And, and I'll tell you, that was a big part of this book, too was that I felt like I had a green light, you know, I had a green light, I could go. Because with the cake mix doctor, I got a lot of flack from from the from scratch world, from the New York from scratch world. Really? Oh, yeah, that I would write an entire cookbook that had to do with cake mixes, very much so. Now you're like, hee hee hee. Well, it's definitely times have changed. And I'll tell you another thing. A lot of Americans today were not raised on a scratch cake. And I think that is, you know, we're learning more about that. A lot of new Americans relied on the economy of a mix. And a lot of the recipes that were that their mother made or their grandmother made started with a cake mix. So it just doesn't feel accepting to me anymore for anyone to turn their nose up at a cake that starts with a mix because there are a lot of reasons why someone might pick a mix and start with it, whether it has to do with economy or that's all they know, or that's their frame of reference and those are the memories they have. Or just ease, just ease of it makes it faster. Exactly. And we all don't know what other people are going through in their day to day, you know, to cope and to look after the folks. And, and I think to be able to be busy and to do all that and to be able to make a cake is a pretty wonderful thing. Absolutely. And the other thing I have noticed, and it's definitely been around for probably a decade, maybe a little longer, are all of these cupcake places. Like that didn't used to be a thing, you know, Sprinkles and Crave and all these places that all they sell is cupcakes. 
And I would assume that also has helped contribute to people wanting to bake more. I think so. Although I feel like that they contri- it contributed to people taking out a lot of cupcakes and buying a lot of cupcakes. Those places were not my favorites because they had too much frosting on the cupcake. I felt like you bought a cupcake and then you got four inches of frosting on top <laughs> of it. And I don't mean to like sound like a frosting hater. I'm not at all. It's just that I like things kind of in a good ratio. I'm not a huge frosting person, so I'm all about less sugary frostings and a thin layer myself. So I'm totally on board with that. Yes, yes. And there's some beautiful fillings in this book. Making fruit curds, you know, using lime or clementines, you know, that you can put between the layers of a cake. Just whipping cream and barely sweetening it. And then using that to frost the sides and the top of your cakes. You know, those are really old school ways of making a cake, presenting a cake that I think feel very lovely and, you know, today and taste good too. And aren't so sugary sweet. Exactly. Not so sugary. Well, you have a big tour schedule coming up. Where can people find this information if they want to try to come and see you somewhere along the way? They can go to my website, which is annburn.com, A-N-N-E-B-Y-R-N. And I have the tour schedule there on the homepage. So yes, I do. It's We didn't know what kind of tour there would be with COVID this year. And so we've kind of put together two legs of tour and more and more, um, you know, locations may evolve as the year goes on. So, so yes, it's a, it's good just to check the website for sure. Perfect. Well, Anne, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Thoughts from a Page podcast today. This was just absolutely fascinating, and I'm just thrilled to pieces we could speak because I have loved your books over the years. Well, thank you so much, Cindy. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. The book discussed today can be purchased at the Conversations from a Page bookshop storefront, and the link is in the show notes. I ask Anne some additional questions for my Patreon-only community. If you're interested, there's a link in the show notes, and I hope you'll check it out. Thanks to Maggie Garza for sponsoring this episode, and I hope you'll tune in next time. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.